Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks, officially the world's only English Schalke podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Of course, as always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing tonight, Jack? Doing well, man. What's going on? Hey, it's a it's a Monday night. Uh, yeah, I can't complain too much. Uh, big holiday weekend, big holiday coming up soon. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. There's still some Bundesliga games to get get to. You know, how you doing? Yeah, a couple more fixtures before uh, we hit the winter pauses. So hopefully, um, we can we can take advantage of those. I was hoping this this Augsburg match this past weekend was going to be one of those, but yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't get all three points there, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, important that we uh, finish up strong here and try to make a good push so we're in a little bit of a better position heading into the second half. And other than that, uh, all things well considering uh, Shaka's current form? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right on. Well, this was an interesting week. Well, this past week was an interesting week, I should say. Uh, we had that bitter loss to uh, in the Riviera Derby. Uh, we had a last-minute win against Benedict Hovides, Jefferson Farfan, and their locomotive squad. And this Saturday, this past Saturday, we had to, obviously the matchup against Augsburg. Um, you know, before we move on, let's talk about really, really quickly about uh, the game against Locomotive. We had a last-minute goal from Alessandro Schoff. The team uh, celebrated quite happily. I guess they were excited that they had scored that goal. Yeah, they were. Um... And you can't blame them. Wins have been few and far between for us this season up to this point. So, I mean, obviously the guys are going to be excited. But, um, I mean, given given it's a fairly meaningless game at that point, and it took them 90 minutes to break down a not-so-great uh, Moscow team, it's kind of, I don't know, it, it probably wasn't a great look to, to celebrate as much as they did. But, um, eh, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's football. It's emotions. It's a late winner. Speaking of emotions, I think the thing that got to me more, or the thing I enjoyed most about this game is pregame. Uh, they, you know, they praise and, and, and the legends that are, you know, Benedict Hovides and, and Jefferson Farfan, giving them, I think, with a little, like a poster and then giving flowers, at least one of them got flowers. Uh, but it's at least a good thing, as 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 great to see that, you know, they're honoring uh, their, their legends, their living legends, if you want to, if you, if you call it. Um, Farfan and, and Hovides uh, pregame there. Yeah, cool, cool homecoming for both of them. Um, Farfan's my boy, dude. I love Farfan. He was one of my favorite yeah, players. Yeah. Um, early into my 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 uh, fandom of the club when I first started supporting Schalke, I loved watching him play. So, uh, great to see him still doing things at his age, and um, you know, nice to have him both back uh, in the Veltons Arena. I know, I know, Hovides said after the after the match that um, he wasn't gonna travel back to Moscow he was going to go back home which was like 20 minutes from 
the stadium or where he, I guess, to get wherever one of his residences is, which is still kind of in the, uh, the general Gelsenkirchen area. So, um, I mean, that's kind of a, a statement on, you know, his roots in the area and everything. And, uh, I'm glad the fans gave him a warm reception. Yeah, especially after the game, you can see how, how good of a reception they gave him. Uh, they stayed, it's the, the Nord Curve stood around and, and they cheered him on at the end. You can see he was getting emotional about that. So, uh, it was definitely great to see that. How did you, uh, feel that we, we looked in this one? Um, you know, considering who, it, who the opponent was and it wasn't at their home, I didn't think it was anything, anything that great compared to it, it's been up to par of what the, of the last so many games have been. I mean, um, I mean, the result was good. They didn't give up too much defensively and they did get a goal. But I mean, other than that, there wasn't many chances. I thought great chances they created offensively. Yeah, because I had seen a couple things online with different people saying that they thought that was one of the better um, performances stylistically from us this entire season, which I strongly disagree with. I think there were yeah. large stretches of the game where we didn't do much of anything. But um, I guess one of the main things to note was just that we got to see Benjamin Guller come in and play. Yes. And he was somebody who uh, who impressed me personally in, in the preseason matches where we saw him. Um, you know, just a winger-type player who can – you know, take people on one on one, very direct. Um, can make things happen on the dribble, and he was uh, didn't get on the ball as much as I would have liked for him to. But I thought he was pretty lively, and uh, you know, it was good to see him in the mix. I think uh, we'll probably see a little bit more of him this season as well. Surprised if he pops up now and again. I, I wouldn't say this is probably going to be his only appearance, but um, yeah, love to see that. And then I think the other really only talking point in this one was probably uh, Hamza Mendil going down with injury um, and having to be replaced by uh, Bob Robin. So just more injury trouble for the club. Yeah. Unfortunately, it seems like it is. It is we can't escape this injury run at the moment. And uh, Hamza Mendel, like you said, went down and we got to see Baba, Baba, almost said Baba Riley, <laughs> Baba <laughs> Raman. Uh, a great song. Time. Yeah, it is. It is. No, it's, uh, it's good to see him after a long time, but yeah, you hate to see it at the expense of a player getting down injured. Um, so yeah, there's ups and downs. This one, I agree with you about Goler. Uh, I enjoyed seeing him out there. And there's been a a youth movement uh, with Shaka here, and maybe it's because of the I'm sure it's because of the injury bug, but uh, it could you know end up being a good thing for us with seeing all these youthful players come in, and some of them are stepping up. And we'll get to a little bit of that a little bit later. But um, before we get into anything else, let's get into the news real quick. This first one's going to come from fcbarcelona.com. That is a credible site this time. Uh, possible opponents, the, the title of this is the possible opponents are Schalke, Roma, and Liverpool. Basically, you know, the article is going into, you know, who, this is before the draw, mind you, the draw happened this morning. Uh, but they were talking about different, uh, the pros and cons of playing against different opponents and, you know, going to Germany, going to Spain, going, going to wherever. So um, they, they gave a list of possible uh, teams that they could play and, and what, what, what could happen in those. The things I want to pull out of this this is just saying that um, the first legs of these games are going to be happening February 12th, 13th, or the 18th and 19th, one of those weeks. So second and third week of February, and the second legs are going to fall on the first and second week of March. So uh, that's you know that's pretty much what the article is talking about there, the possible opponents, but we obviously saw the draw. We know what happened. So we're going to move on to the second article. Uh, it comes from Yahoo Sports. The article is called Schalke Return for Germany's Forgotten World Cup Winner. At least for me, he's not a forgotten World Cup winner, but I guess some people forgot Benedict Hovidis is a World Cup winner with a team in 2014. 
Um, I didn't forget about him, Jack. Did you forget about him that he was on that team? No, definitely not. That was back when uh, Yogi Love was playing with basically four center backs. Yeah. Um, at the back, uh, and I think Hevedes uh, was playing a lot of, I guess, what you could call left back to some extent in that system in that 2014 World Cup. Yeah, put some respect on his name, man. World Cup winner. I know, right? Uh, so the gist of this article is a, you know, he last year going into the World Cup uh, this past summer. He, you know, he obviously was at Juventus, and they, he had an injury-riddled campaign there. Um, many thought that because of the injuries that kept him off of the the German national team, and so they asked him, you know, his feelings about that. It wasn't really so much anything about Schalke, just more about you know missing the chance to being at the World Cup, and really wasn't for not because Germany really they struggled in that one big time. And then they asked him what what his future entails as far as the national team goes, and he says, "I'm pretty much done." I I would assume because. Yogi Love and I, we haven't spoken since since the World Cup time. So um, he figures, you know, hey, you know, there's a lot of big youngsters coming up these days. I mean, Kimmich is a great right back. Uh, and then left back, you got a bunch of bunch of talented guys there. So And even center back as well is very talented. So the chances of him being on the team is going to be slim to none, really, unless he has an outstanding uh, performance with Locomotive or, or whomever going forward. So uh, he just really, you know, saying that, you know, hey, I accept, I accept what happened to me. Um, because of the injury and all the youngsters coming up, I accept that I had a great time with the national team. But um, it was interesting to to read this article, and I can share this about you know his forty four interlump matches before retiring or whatever. It really does seem that he he experienced something of a fairly rapid decline, though. You have to say yeah. after yeah. that twenty fourteen World Cup win, um, he he went you know he went from being you know a World Cup winner and you know mainstay in the Schalke team but really kind of falling off in terms of his his performances pretty quickly and then like you said went to Juventus and didn't really make much of an impact there partially because injury and then you know get shipped away and now he's playing with Locomotive Moscow which isn't um you know a huge club in terms of prestige or anything I mean league winners last year but um yeah I mean hopefully he can he can put in a couple more good campaigns I'd hate to see him bow out of everything in the in the immediate future but um yeah I, i'd probably i don't think i disagree with him i think his his time with the national team is probably uh probably run its course for sure yeah it uh and his time was certainly not forgotten so uh mr who is this uh, who wrote this article it doesn't even say so that's what the other person was embarrassed to say but uh, <laughs> i don't know how i don't know how you forget ben jacobitis is on that team unless you don't, don't even follow jeremy whatsoever um, but even then, that's not an excuse. All right, so let's move on to the last article. It comes from 90 Minutes, and the, the title on this one was interesting to me, and I'm sure it will be for many Schalke fans. The title is, Schalke boss Domenico Todesco sheds light on bizarre substitutions during Riviera Derby. Uh, many of us questioned uh, what was going on in Todesco's head during this game, bringing on, you know, putting on McKinney as a forward, having Hamza Mendil as his strike, par- strike partner, and so in the article, uh, Tedesco is quoted as saying, um, you know, we started out the game pretty well with, you know, with Bergseller up there. We wanted to have some direct play. Uh, but then we lost our only forward in the 33rd minute and brought on Hamza Mendiel to inject some pace into our game. It's kind of what you and I were talking about. We figured that's what probably was the case. Uh, he goes on to say, though, Yevin Konoplyanka is a winger who would rather play there but we desperately needed two center forwards today, and Hamza is our quickest player, and it is important to have someone up front who is direct. And we kind of thought this was the case, right, Jack? Uh, we thought, you know, Hamza Mendil had the pace and had the the more direct play, maybe that that Tedesco's looking for in his I game mean, okay, plan. Okay, but n- literally none of that adds up. Are you serious? 
you're, you're, okay, so you're, you're telling me that Connor Puyanko, who's a guy that isn't probably getting on the pitch as much as he wants to, um, didn't go on because uh, I'd prefer to play more of a wing position, and that's that's more of a center forward. So I'll, I'll I'll take a pass. Like something has to be going on behind the scenes because that that that, that excuse doesn't make sense from Tedesco. I don't care if he's more of a winger. He's more of a striker than Hamza Mendiel is. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. like just because that's not his preferred position, what well, that's closer to being a striker than what a left back is. Um, and then I find it hard to believe that. Yeah, that, I don't know. That that just pisses me off to hear that. I mean, it, and it could listen, be that it was a stand bad by, translation. I mean, yeah, it could be. Could be. Could be a translation issue as well. But I mean, to me, it's like stand by your call, dude. If there's something going on, there's something going on. But but don't try to bullshit me with. Oh, Hamza, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, just say, hey, I put in Hamza Mendel because I put in Hamza Mendel. Deal with it. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But um, speaking of of the injury that uh, uh, necessitated that that whole substitution situation, uh, news did come out this past week that uh, Bergstaller suffered some sort of Achilles related injury, which is going to see him out for the rest of uh this first half of the season and uh, mm-hmm. possibly into early next season after the winter pause. There, there's some suggestions that he might not even be back at the start of the Rook Runda. So uh, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully he's able to get you know fully healthy over the winter break and be ready to go. But um, yet another long-term injury for for the strikers up top. The good news is that Mark Oud, I've seen, has been involved in individual training uh, recently. I don't know if he's gone back to team training yet, but he's, he's apparently getting closer to making his return. So... Um, I mean, I, I, we'd love to have both those guys available, but at least we're kind of swapping one for the other uh, pretty soon here. So um, hopefully we'll get him back. Yeah, that's uh, it's really unfortunate news, and um, you don't want you want to lose any more forwards. We've lost seemingly every forward that we've got, and even some even some replacement forwards, as in Mendiel. But uh, it's good news to hear Uth is coming back. But yeah, at least we're swapping here. But you'd rather have everybody start coming back slowly, and who knows? Maybe some at some point midway through the Brook Run, we'll get them all back. Um, knock on wood, nobody else gets injured on this team. Uh, so quick rundown on today's show. We're obviously going to have an Augsburg discussion and then go into some listener questions. There were plenty to go around this weekend. Um, but before we get into that, let's get into the Champions League draw. So the draw came out, Jack, and probably one of the most difficult teams you could face is going to be Shaka's opponent, Manchester City. What are your initial thoughts on this? Well, given uh, you know the fact that we finished second in our group, there wasn't really any possible opponents that I think we would have liked to face. I think the options, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, were uh, Porto would have been my favorite, but we can't, we couldn't have played them exactly. Yeah, the ones that were available to us, I think, were Real Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, Manchester City, Juventus, and uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, am I forgetting anybody? I think those are the ones that we were... Uh, I think those are the main ones. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a name in that list that you would want to face. There's not really 
anybody that I think you would be uh, favored against for sure, especially not this season. I mean, even even last season, right? If we were, let's just say we had the exact same form um, as last year and we were sitting at like second place in the Bundesliga right now, we're still not going to be favored against any of those teams. So, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going to be a good result regardless of how it went. But uh, Manchester City is probably one of the worst ones, even of that bunch. I think um, I would probably rather. I mean, it sounds insane to say. I, I guess I'd probably like Real Madrid more than anybody else, just because of their sort of poor form this season relative to how they normally play. Um, Manchester City just scares the shit out of me, to be honest. Um, and uh, it, it's going to hurt my heart if if Leroy Zane is the one who, you know, sticks the dagger. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take that. So I was hoping we could avoid that situation and not have to, you know, go up against our old guy. But um, I mean, it'll be a test. It'll be a test, and hopefully, it'll be a, a learning opportunity for us. But it's going to be a <laughs> real tough, real tough couple matches, to say the least. To s- Champions League, they find a way to. Find what teams you know would look good together as far as ratings go. It seems like, and you know, Leroy Sané coming back to Schalke. That's a great storyline. Or you know, they always find some ways, and yet the draw always comes out miraculously in a way that Champions League wants it. So I'm not too surprised about this. Um, I'm going to give you a hot take real quick since you've mentioned Real Madrid. I think Ajax is going to be Real Madrid based on the current form. But um, going back to this game, yeah, this is uh, well. That only not proves the my most... point, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, could have we done? Could have we done the same result? Well, I mean, we got to score some goals first, I guess. Uh, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. But who better to do it than against Manchester City, right? Uh, this is a, certainly an interesting game because you have, you know, there are plenty of Pep haters out there. I am not one of them. I think he's brilliant. Um, he's certainly a great tactician, and it will be interesting to see. One of the most interesting things to see will be how Tedesco will try to uh, match up as best as possible. I mean, it's going to be impossible to do it, but you know, as best as best he can with Pep Guardiola, trying to match him, you know, you know, tit for tat in a chess match, you know, he's going to be looking at footage and find ways that, or he's going to try to find ways that other teams have had minute successes against Pep Guardiola. It's very rare. This team, he, he's, I mean, if you watch his, the Amazon series on Manchester City, you see how amazing job he's doing. Uh, have you got a chance to see that yet? I haven't watched any of the documentaries about that, but I mean, I, I think his his play on the field speaks for itself without having to watch yeah. any of those. I mean, he, they're it's a phenomenal. You'll team. appreciate it even more. Yeah. Trust me, you'll appreciate it even for more. Sure. Uh, but yeah, this should be interesting. I mean, if Tedesco wants to prove that he is this great tactician, he'll find a way to slow this juggernaut down. They're not. He's not going to beat him. Don't let's not. It'll take a miracle to beat Manchester City, even just one leg. Uh, but I think if he can find a way to slow it, slow them down, keep the score close in both games, I think that's a victory in itself. Because a lot of people are going to predict, you know, four nothing each leg. I'm guessing, um, and and it probably Leroy Sané with a, with a hat trick on one of them or something. Who knows? But yeah, it's just um, you know, I I guess the way I look at it is, um, you know, even if Schalke's in top defensive form, they have just no idea how to attack this season. So I don't think they're going to really be able to do much against Man City's defense. And, um, I mean, Augsburg looked dangerous against us at times last weekend, so you can only imagine what, what Manchester City is going to do. And, uh, you know, if, if Tedesco decides to just set up shop and uh, try to, like, shit house a couple wins, um, I mean, that's that's what half the Premier League does against Manchester City every, every I mean, Maurice, Yeah, right? But, I mean, that's what half the Premier League does against Manchester City every week anyway. So, I mean, they're they're well-versed in handling that sort of approach from opponents. Um, 
it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an uphill climb to say the least. I don't think anyone's really optimistic about this, but like I said, I hope it's just going to be a learning opportunity for everyone involved. And uh, <laughs> if they get beaten or when they get beaten, and you know the goals are coming in, I hope they they are able to uh, take a look at what happened on those and and figure out how to you know use it to make them better. Because um, anytime you go up against a team like that. Um, it's definitely an opportunity to uh, to learn. There's early rumors that Tedesco's coming out with a one nine formation, nine <laughs> one formation. I should say, no, uh, no, you're right. And then sometimes teams do step up. I mean, Monaco a couple of years stepped up against Manchester City and performed brilliantly. Last year it was uh, who was it who beat Manchester City? Liverpool, wasn't it? Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool. Played yeah, I mean, great. but Liverpool's much better, much more talented. Yes, sure, sure, absolutely. If there is a weakness on this Manchester City team for Schalke to attack, what is it? Oh wow! Um, is it the midfield? It's certainly not the attack. Certainly not. It could be the defense. Dude, uh, it's not the goal. It's not the goaltender. I tell you what. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know how to answer that, man. I mean, I guess if there's some injury issues, then maybe in the midfield. Um, you know, for some reason, like Kevin De Bruyne is out still or something like that. I mean, like that could be a problem, but I mean, this team's just like stacked all over the place, man. And I just don't think that we, I mean, you look at the team sheet. <laughs> I try not to. I just, yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to be able to provide better analysis and I'm sure as the time gets closer and we actually have to like sit down and like preview this match that we'll, right. we'll do that. But at the moment I'm still just kind of in like, Oh God, we're facing Manchester city. Like, you know, how do we match up? We don't match up. I mean, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's a whole different. I mean, we're going from facing Galatasaray, you know, and and Moscow in the group stage to facing Manchester City. That's I mean, it, it, it's funny that like these teams are even in the same competition, Schalke included, right? I mean, with our form this year, where it's not even the same ballpark, dude. The good news is, is that matchup is still well over two months away. Well, eh, two months away, just under two months away. So. Chaco has a chance to get in form and make it a little bit more interesting, but as you say right now, it's it's a long ways away. So let's just let's enjoy the uh, the draw and uh, take it for what it is. And then as it gets closer, we can uh, dissect it even more. And maybe there's a maybe there's an inkling that will will surprise somebody some way somehow. Maybe get a goal. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jack. Uh, no games tonight. Um, I'm sure you're happy about that. So let's just get this show on the road. Alrighty then. All right. So in this one, uh, obviously the game is taking place at Augsburg at WWK Arena. Uh, the last oh, uh, 15 games or so, um, 14 games really, if you want to look back at it. Um, if you look at the records, it'll tell you it's all leaning towards Schalke. Uh, Schalke have one loss, five draws, and eight wins um, in their most recent encounters with them. But, um, you know, that doesn't really mean anything too much if you just base it on current form. Uh, speaking of current form, Augsburg came into this one in four consecutive defeats. So if anyone was playing worse than Schalke, it was Augsburg. Um, looking at the table, they're you know it's pretty similar where they're at really in the records. Schalke are set in 13th, Augsburg in 14th. Schalke have 14 points. Augsburg has 13 points. Um, so let's get into the lineups real quick. Uh, you can give me your thoughts on on, on each one, uh, starting with uh, with the host. 
and uh, and goal. Obviously, they had Luther. Then they had uh, Govelov, uh, Kadira, uh, brother of Sammy Kadira, of course. Uh, Hinterreger. In midfield, they had Schmidt, Kuh, Bayer, uh, Richter, and Max. And then up top, they had Finnebuxen and Gregorich. Um, some notables on the bench, Kyobi and Han, uh, that many of you will remember with um, uh, certain guys. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, what, what stood out for you for Augsburg in this game, um, whether whether the starting lineup or on the bench? Yeah, Philip Max, obviously, um, excellent player, somebody that we're very familiar with. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Finn Bogason, the Icelandic hitman, and, uh, and Greg Rich, very dangerous players. Um up front, um, having good seasons, both of them, um, especially I think Finn Bog. What, what, what was it? He had scored like what, like seven goals already this year? In seven like, goals in seven games. Okay, yeah. Only so, better, I mean, only person better than him is Paco. So, fantastic season. So far. yeah. So there you go. So um, definitely some some danger men on, on the pitch for uh, for Augsburg, absolutely. And then yeah, as you said, uh, Andre Hahn, somebody else that Schalke fans will be from, uh, familiar with as a result of that uh, that unfortunate playback. When he was uh, with with Gladbach, I believe. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that Kyobi was on the bench to start this one, considering he had pretty good games against Schalke last year, if I remember correctly. He maybe even had a goal or two. Um, well, certainly at least one goal. But I thought he was looked very dangerous against Schalke last year, and it could be based on current form and or how he saw the lineup for Schalke, and it was you know try to keep him on the bench. So uh, either way. Um, uh, yeah, it was a, a strong lineup for Augsburg, or a good good lineup. I mean, obviously Phillips Maxson's in there, so it's going to be a decent squad. And Gregorich having a good season so far with the Icelandic hitman. Um, let's look at the Schalke lineup. Uh, obviously in goal, Ralph Fairman. In the back, we had Daniel Caligiri, Salif Sane, Naldo back because uh, Mr. Nastasic is serving a suspension, and then Ochipka. In the midfield, Rudy was playing in the sixth, along with Stambouli, Harit, and Serder. And up top, we had Cedric Toyker. Welcome to the lineup and uh, Skripsky, of course. Um, real quick on uh, Toykert in the lineup, uh, how'd you feel about him seeing him finally? Is it just a, a healthy body that we can finally get in there? Yeah, I mean, like we've been waiting to see this guy more often. Um, I'm not saying that like when he's come in, he's necessarily done anything to uh, demand his his inclusion. But you know, for somebody that we've that we've actually gone out, and this is not even just a youth player; right? it's something we went out and purchased. So you would think that if you invested money in somebody, you'd probably give him a few more looks than he's gotten up to this point. So um, yeah, it was good to see him get a start and be involved. You know, right off the bat, rather than you know a ten minute cameo or something, which is kind of what I think the bulk of his appearances had been up to this point and on the bench for Schalke Nubel, McKinney, Mascarell, Bentaleb, Ktuchu that's a that's a youngster there uh, Alessandro Schof and another youngster Haji Wright um, alright so Ktuchu we um, he's a player that you've been harping on a lot um, and, and he's a youngster with uh, what does he have some cra- he had some crazy like 11 goals in 11 games with the with the youth, with the academy youth team, right? U 19s Yeah, yeah, he's been on a, definitely a very good run of form uh, for the for the youth ranks recently. So that was somebody certainly that I was hoping that you know I'm hoping that we get to see in this game. We did this game, uh, um, despite getting the draw, we did get to see him in the lineup, and I thought he did okay. But we'll get to that as a, as we get to there. Um, I'm going to talk about real quick is uh, some moments of chaos early in the first quarter hour of the game. Um, so in the 10th minute, Finn Bogason, the Icelandic hitman, uh, he gave a pass, a beautiful pass. It's a back heel flick, I believe, uh, to Rami Kadira. Rami Kadira. Kadira gets a shot off. Ralph Fairman makes a save. 
Uh, so it looks like, you know, we're in the game right there, at least defensively. We're ready to go. 13th minute, though, Philip Max, he's bombing down the left-hand side. He crosses into the box. Uh, Fairman reads it. However, uh, <laughs> Ralph, he inexplicably punches it straight up in the air. Uh, Gregorich, you know, he gets there. He heads it home with ease. Augsburg up one nothing, just like that, Jack. Uh, Shaka, though, they did respond well, I thought, just two minutes after that goal. Um, they get into the Augsburg box. Ball is loose in the box, and Cedric Toykert, he pounces home on the rebound. An unexpected draw right there. Oh, except for the fact he was offsides and goal didn't count. Um, what would you make of those five minutes or so of chaos, end to end action there? Yeah, we really did not look particularly good to start start this game. Augsburg came on with a lot of pressure early. We seemed to have trouble coping with it or really building any sort of possession. We lost the ball a lot, and um, that you know that play that you mentioned from Fairman, um, it was a weird game from him because he made a number of good saves in this one, yeah, uh, and saved a couple like sure goals. But then he also made a number of mistakes in a time looked simultaneously like really shaky. And and this first goal was definitely one of those. I mean, the cross comes in. Certainly looks like he has enough time to deal with it, and he he, all, he ultimately uh, you know likes to try to punch it, and I just guess makes some poor contact with it and pops it right up in the air and doesn't really clear it, and uh, as you said, it's able to get tapped home uh, pretty easily from uh, from Gregorich. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's you can't have that. It's uh, the season's been hard enough for us as it is. Uh, mistakes like that aren't going to make anything better. But I mean, as you said, it was almost a brilliant response because just a couple minutes later, we had that had that opportunity. Uh, Toyker, you know, uh, pounces on on a loose ball and um, is able to is able to put it away. But I do think it was the correct decision. He definitely looked like he was, uh, you know, just a hair offside there. Um, so uh, disappointing. Um, I, I think he had his back to the guy that was keeping him off. So maybe he didn't he didn't see it, but. Um, Denied a goal, and that would have been great, you know, for him and his confidence as somebody who's trying to break in the side and get more looks. Yeah, that would have been great to see him score. I mean, it's still got to give you some kind of confidence that he scored a goal, but yeah, he was offsides. A good call on that, and kind of what you were alluding to about how Shaka was really getting worked over by Augsburg. Uh, the opening fifteen minutes were not good. Um, Shaka were being outpossessed by Augsburg and were getting outshot seven to one. So. Um, Things were not looking good at the beginning, but things would start to shift slowly. Um, I'm take, let's take, let's jump up to another segment of the game where things got a little feisty before halftime. Bayer, uh, he had just gotten a yellow card, something around the 30th minute or so. Uh, a couple minutes later, um, he tackles I mean Harit. Uh, by the way, I mean Harit was getting tackled left and right in this game. Yeah, he was back to his his last season form, right, where he was the most fouled player in the Bundesliga. He was getting brought down constantly. It was like every 30 seconds he was getting taken down. But Bayer had taken him down again for the second time. He just picked up a yellow and taken him down two minutes before. He tackles him. He tackles Harit hard again. Um, should that have been a second yellow on this one? I mean, I understand the hesitation given that you had just booked him. And uh, that would be very early in the match to, to send somebody off for, for two yellows. You know, especially if it's not like, a, you know, an obvious straight red decision. But um, you could have. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't not a good tackle, and it was. You know, uh, as we were kind of getting in position to get a scoring opportunity going, it was a foul kind of right outside the box, right? So, um, definitely lucky to get away with that one and not go a man down. I mean, the, the fans that were upset about that not being a second yellow, I, I can understand where they're coming from because uh, 
I don't I don't think it was any any softer of a foul than the first one that he got a yellow for. I think it just came down to the ref not wanting to to change the game, you know, that early on. Would you agree? And, yeah, I would agree because I think even just before that yellow, he had uh, <laughs> my dog sneezing in the background <laughs> threw me off. Um, no, he he just hey, I think he picked up a foul again in between those two fouls, and then that foul was again him not paying attention, not knowing his surroundings, not caring. Maybe I don't know. But you, you've seen that before where a referee will give a player a yellow card, a player does another stupid thing, and then he kicks him out. Um, so I could have seen easily it should have been a red card in that game, in that situation. I can also see the hesitation like you're talking about and not wanting to give a guy a red card so early in the game. Obviously, the the manager for Augsburg thought better than to leave him in for the second half and, and pulled him at halftime because uh, he was just a red card waiting to happen, and, and Augsburg really got lucky with that one, I thought. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it went, to, it went to halftime by that score, but um, uh, really in the first half, you know, Schalke being outshot 10-4, to 4, um, not much uh, good coming out of the way other than maybe, I mean, Harit with uh, getting all those fouls. Yeah, I thought um, I thought Rudy was pretty poor once again. Um, I, I thought Skripsky uh, was uh, disappointingly quiet. Um, you know, yeah, he had, he had kind of burst once. onto the scene. Yeah. He, you know, he burst on the scene when he finally got his opportunity and uh, was a player that I think we were excited to see more of. And, uh, then, you know, got injured right away. And so he wasn't available for, for a couple of match there's there, but, um, back in the starting lineup and yeah, didn't really, I'm, I'm really honestly having trouble remembering like anything that he did in this one. Like literally nothing yeah, stands I out. I can't remember like any specific play that he was really involved in other than I know that he picked up a yellow card at some point. Um, I will say that I think Suat Serdar played a little bit better. Um, he's somebody else that I've kind of been critical of this season. I don't think he's made the impact that I expected him to make, and I thought that this was maybe one of his better games. How did you feel about him? Yeah, he was a little bit more lively. I thought on this one he was more aggressive than he had been. It's still he still has ways to go, but I thought this was a one of his better games for sure. Um, he he was definitely into the game more. Maybe it's more emotional or what, but. Uh, he was definitely involved more. I heard someone talking a lot with, the, with his players, with his his coworkers, I guess if you want to call them uh, co miners. But uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a, a, a aggressive is a good word for it. Um, if you remember the very, I think he was in the very first game of the season against Wolfsburg. Am I, is that is that right? That, yeah, I mean, that's the one where he he had, he had a couple like you know fancy pieces of footwork and was really catching the eye in that game um, early on, and that's kind of what we expected from him when we brought him in this summer and then I just feel like there's yeah there's been way too many matches where he's been just very passive and very anonymous so I, I think you know aggressive is probably the right word he he I think he was looking to make things happen a little bit more take people on advance the ball rather than just kind of you know play it off immediately and we mentioned that Bayer would be subbed off for Kyobi in at halftime because obviously he was red card waiting to happen Schalke made two substitutions of their own uh, they brought in Emil Bentaleb for uh, Sebastian Rudy, just as you mentioned, who was having a poor first half. And Haji Wright came on for Skripsky, who was not to be found really in the first half. Um, subs aside, how do you feel in general about these early substitutions, whether they're at halftime or just minutes after halftime? Because typically, I'll tell you how I feel. Typically, I think substitutions should not be made that soon. Um, they've worked in the past. They obviously worked at the Riviera Derby last November when they got came back from 4-0 four, four, four down. So... Um, I can see how it's been working for Tedesco, but typically with me, I I don't want to make a sub before the 60th minute unless it's an injury or something like that. And I, you know, you have a game plan that you're going with, and 
if the game plan changes that much, you should be able to adapt in-game with the players that you have. But uh, how do you feel about these early substitutions? I don't mind a halftime sub, uh, but I understand what you're saying about two halftime subs. Um, the fact that it's a, that it's a double sub at halftime definitely makes it a little bit uh, different, um, especially given you know the injury history that Schalke has had this season. Uh, making a lot of subs early in the match might not be advisable because you might get in a situation where you're out of subs and somebody goes down. Um, right. But uh, you know, l- listen, this this is a it was an important match for us. Um, all three of these matches leading up to the ones that break are very important. We need to get a result. Uh, Augsburg is a team that I think we all felt, thought we could get a better result against. And so, um, you know, if Tedesco was looking at that match at halftime, there's a couple players that weren't cutting it. And I, I completely agree with the people he took off. I think Skripsky and Rudy were subpar. Um, and I think he just didn't want to let that continue for any bit, you know, another 15, 20 30 minutes into the second half before he, he made a sub, you know, he, he identified a couple guys that were issues and was, he just, he yanked him, you know, as soon as he thought he had an opportunity to do so. Um, and, uh, it was interesting. Um, actually what happened, cause I, I believe, um, Stan Bowie actually started in, in a back three with Naldo and, and Sané, um, because of, uh, Nassas being out for suspension. But when Stan, um, sorry, when, when, when Rudy was subbed off for Bentola, we switched to a back four and then had Stan playing like the deep six. Yes. With Serdar yes. and, um, Bentola kind of playing a little bit way, higher I up. Thought. I, I, I think that we did play a lot better that way. I, that was a role that we have not seen Stan play, um, all that much. Um, obviously, because the vast majority of the time he's been at Schalke, he's been, um, <clears throat> as one of the three center backs um, or occasionally as sort of like a, like a midfield partnership, you know, like a double pivot or something. But to him kind of be that like lone fulcrum deep was a really, I think a unique position that we haven't really seen him in before. And I actually thought he did very well in that role. Um, and you saw some of his vision is in his passing. Um, he made some really nice and, you know, incisive uh, like, you know, through balls and lead passes that um, I feel like we haven't really seen a lot from that position. So far this season, so that was an interesting uh, kind of shape change. It's something that Tedesco did, um, and then uh, obviously we love you know seeing how you write as Americans get another opportunity up top. Yeah, and, and I think, and I could be wrong. Uh, Twitter Nation, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when uh, Stambouli's career pre Schalke, he was a a six type player. Um, yeah, so when he came when when Bentaleb came on, Stambouli went to that six. I thought he played better. I think it's an ideal position for him because he does have that vision and passing ability, like you said. He likes to be aggressive, and you can't be that as a center back because you can give away penalties. But as a six, you know, at least the free kicks will be a little bit further from goal as opposed to being a penalty kick. So um, I thought he did really well in this game, and that is the most lively and most uh, tenacious we've seen anyone play in that role all season long. Yeah, definitely. And, we, and we've talked before about how we think that Bentaleb, although he has maybe the skill set to play that role, you know, we like him when he is a little bit higher up the pitch and is able to use his creativity, you know, closer to the opponent's final third. And so, when you know, when he got subbed on, I think we expected him to drop into that Rudy role. So the fact that he um, moved Stambouli there, changed, you know, to back three to a back four was, a, you know, you allowed Bentaleb to play a little bit higher up the pitch. And I thought that was actually a really um, smart shift from Tedesco. I, I, I appreciated that quite a bit, you know, as much as I criticized him. You know, last week for the Mendel thing, I'll give him some credit here for sure. Cause I, and I definitely think that um, Schalke had a much better second half. Um, and particularly after uh, we equalized, which we'll get to in a minute, I think we actually really took this game over and probably should have won it, to be fair. Well, in that 52nd minute, what you just alluded to, new man in the game, Kayubi, 
he gets on the end of an Achipka cross. Uh, he heads it into no man's land. Well, not really. He heads it directly into the path of Daniel Calagiri. He's about 30, 30 meters out, 35 meters out, and he blasts home a long-range bomb to tie the game 1-1. It wasn't the most beautiful shots, but it was accurate, and that was the key right there. Beautiful goal by him, uh, tie the game 1-1. I was excited. I know he was excited. The, the whole crowd was excited. Well, not their crowd, but um, the Gilskis at home, people at home were, were excited. So uh, what would you make of the, the whole play in general? Well, it's kind of a funny sequence because, um, uh, you know, leading up to that, uh, the ball was coming down the left-hand side, and Caligari was, was in acres of space and was calling for the ball. Yeah, his hands were just out there. Give me the ball. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, there, he was. There was no one trying to step up and put a body on him. And he was, you know, making this kind of trailing run near the box, and uh, he didn't receive the ball, uh, and it was played in. But then you said he got he got headed out directly to him anyway, as if he basically had received the ball in that position. And once again, nobody stepped out on him really, and he he had you know just plenty of time, and um, for whatever reason, decided to just have a rip, and uh, yeah. Played it off his chest, lovely, and then just kind of had this half volley, and it was you know wicked shot. I um, mean, it wasn't like you know the hardest hit thing on the planet, but it was just perfectly placed. Kind of went diagonally across the box to that far corner, and uh, you know nothing the keeper could do about it. Um, Graham, phenomenal strike. So uh, <laughs> credit to credit to him for having to go, I guess. Um, when you're in that kind of space and you got that kind of time to line up a shot, you might as well, I suppose. Um, you know, surprised that no one kind of came on and put your body on him we all know how dangerous Daniel Calajari can be so um an unexpected way to equalize but we'll take him any way we can get him particularly in a match like this when uh you know we already had one disallowed so uh yeah I was I was I was pretty excited another person who I was excited to see take some long-range shots they were unsuccessful mind you but I mean Harit uh in the especially in the first half he was taking some long-range shots and um I give him credit because I've been yelling at him for the last two one and a half seasons say you get a shot, take it. Um, he's taking it. He just needs to finish better, but um, at least he's taking him now, and then Calagiri obviously took it took it well. Um, so I, I agree with that to some extent. The, the one thing I'll say real quick about Amin Harit, though, is that I, I don't think he has a lot of power from distance and doesn't seem to make really strong contact. No. He kind of like scuffs a lot of those, so I, I'm not against him taking more efforts, but I want to see those efforts come like kind of right on the edge of the box rather than 5, 10 yards outside of it. He seemed like he was coming to go from distance. Um, quite a you bit think, in this one, he, but I mean, must he, think that he has the uh, Naldo power or something from out there. <laughs> yeah, Bentola power, something like that. Not, not quite, not quite. Just a bit outside. Um, so just a bit outside. Uh, that's right. A uh, couple minutes after that, Augsburg nearly responded. They had a free kick uh, at the edge of the box. Um, Schmidt with a free kick. Uh, Fairman, beautiful save. Gets down and gets a save. A big save by him, and again, it's what you were talking about earlier, is he made those big saves in the game, then he had moments where he had to punch up in the middle of the air or he kicked it out of bounds inexplicably. Um, but saves like that that were important in the game because I think um, Augsburg could have sneaked away with a victory had he not stepped up to make these big saves. Um, okay, so and then the 66th minute, the, our man we were talking about, the youngster from the Kanapenschmiede, Ahmed Katuchu, um, he comes on for Toykert. Uh, he had 11 goals in 11 games, as I see in my my podcast notes here. Um, obviously, in fine form coming into this one, uh, we were both excited to see this player. Didn't worry me. I know, and I saw you tweeting out about him uh, in this one. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Schalke had kind of been in a front three-ish. I guess Harit was dropping a little bit deeper at times into the midfield, but there were there was kind of times where he was the leftmost of sort of a front three with uh, Toykert in the center and uh, Skribski um, far far right. Um, and then when when Haji Wright came on and and Katucci ultimately came on, uh, Haji Wright took up that central position and Katucci played sort of like a right wing. Um, and, uh, he was lively for sure. Uh, had some, had some sloppy moments, had, uh, had at least one or two passes that were just very, very inaccurate and not great. But, uh, you know, he was full of running. He looked, he looked willing to take people on and also willing to, like you said, with Arit, ha- have a rip and, uh, had some, had a nice connection on a couple different opportunities. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting couple cameos from him this, this week. Uh, I, I don't know if he, once again, did enough to be like, you know, he's going to get a lot of looks, but um, I thought he acquitted himself fairly well. How, what did you make of his performance? I thought he, he definitely was lively. Um, he had, you could see there's some talent in him. Uh, he had a great shot on the uh, great shot off in the 81st minute. Um, he saw he had a good look and with his left foot. He took a shot and uh, unfortunately for him, it was at dead center of goal, but it was a good shot nonetheless easy save for the goalie, but I thought he did, he did pretty well. He needs to work on his strength. I thought while I was busy looking at him, I thought one person stood out in particular for me um, was Haji Wright. Um, so cause I was I was all to see what Katucha was, was going to bring to the game, right? And he was definitely lively for sure, but he was getting pushed around a little bit and, and caused a little bit of turnovers. He had a lot of hustle, though. He, he you know, backtracked a lot and stole balls back. There was one play in particular where he was trying to do some tricks, lost the ball, kept at the defender and then finally stole it back and then set up a play. And I think it ended up leading to a yeah. shot off on that. So um, that's good for him. Good for sure. He, he actually yeah. kind of reminded me, and this is in no way comparing skill set or any of that, Lewandowski. but he kind of reminded me a little bit of uh of like baby Zane in some, in some sense, like just kind of like we had this, this young winger who would come on and didn't really, have an understanding of when to pick his moments to take people on one-on-one and half the time he'd pull it off and it'd be like a remarkable run. And then half the time he'd just lose possession way too cheaply. Um, and so I think that was kind of the, like the sense I got from Katushu a little bit was that, um, you know, he was trying to take somebody on every single time and he needs to be a little bit more intelligent, picking his moments. Like when are those right opportunities to, to, to try to beat somebody on the dribble and when is it a better idea to, to lay it off to a teammate? But um, I mean, he definitely seemed capable at certain times of, of, of beating a man or two. Um, so, uh, you know, being a little more selective might help him out in that sense, but, um, yeah, once again, lively, definitely loved his work rate and, and loved his enthusiasm and, uh, did well overall in terms of both areas. Yeah. Worked, worked really hard. Someone who I thought did much better in, in their second appearance, uh, or so what is their most recent appearance, I should say, Haji Wright. I thought he was stronger on the ball. He was a little bit more yep. lively than we had seen him before. Um, he looked a very, very capable striker uh, on this team. Uh, he was hustling for balls. He was getting, he was getting involved in plays. And in the 84th minute, uh, beautiful play. I mean, Harit giving the pass to his buddy uh, Nabil Bentaleb. He crosses it to you know center of goal. Haji Wright scores a goal. I'm screaming, heck yeah, about freaking time. Um, it was all for not, of course. It was an offside goal, but a beautiful, beautiful play goal nonetheless and i thought haji wright was brilliant to get there where he should have been 
I mean, so yeah. First of all, it was it was not a spectacular goal or anything. It was it was a tap end goal. But he is in the right the right uh, you know no, area the play at the right overall. time. I meant, and, I meant the play yeah. overall was nice. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, he made no mistake about it. He taps it away. Uh, the one thing I will criticize him for on this is just that uh, the the two people that he was offside against. I mean, he was looking down the line right at them, and he wasn't really sprinting. He was kind of jogging. So y- you would have liked to see him have some more body control to stay on side there. Cause he definitely could have, I, you know, the toy shirt one earlier, you know, he had his back to the guy that was making him offside. So it was, you know, it was hard to kind of him figure out where he was, but you know, how's your looking right down the line and can see that he's off. So he should have done a little bit better, but, um, uh, Overall, I completely agree with you, though. I thought Haji Wright was much improved from his performance um, at, at Hoffenheim, where I thought he was just way too anonymous, didn't really do a whole lot. Um, he got on the ball a whole lot more often. I think he made some better runs to make himself available for his teammates, and his teammates did a good job finding him. But I thought his holdup play was excellent. He did a really good job you know, re- receiving those balls and, the, and then you know, keeping possession and laying it off. Um, he looked very composed as well. Um, on yeah, the ball, yeah. it didn't seem like he was freaking out or anything. Like a lot of those, those you know, instances of hold up play, um, when he was under pressure, I thought he did. He, he looked, you know, almost like too nonchalant at times, where you're wondering if he's like how hard he's working. He's just kind of like that kind of player. But yeah, did did a whole lot better. You know, his link up play was was very good. And um, I, w- I would have liked to see him in and around the box try to take people on a little bit more and uh, get a shot off. You know, see if he can buy himself a yard of space and have a rip. Um, cause it seems like the times when he, he takes people on or when he's a little bit further outside the box. And I don't think he has the speed, um, to beat people in those situations. And that's when we tend to see him lose the ball. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but overall, uh, a much better performance from him, in my opinion. And it would have been nice if he could have, you know, uh, punctuated it with, uh, with a game winner at his, his first, you know, senior goal for the club, but that wasn't to be, but, um, yeah, after that Hoffenheim performance, I, I guess I would have said that, like, you know, he didn't really do a whole lot to to make you feel like he's you know, he deserved a whole lot of other looks. But I thought this was a much more encouraging performance from him, um, and, and uh, probably stated his case a little bit better. Now, once again, is he is he still gonna be somebody you're gonna look to ahead of you know Mark Gudabriel and Bolo Guido Bergschaller? Of course not, but. Um, I, I think that performance would probably give Tedesco a little bit more confidence in him. Would you agree? Yeah, I certainly think it warrant another start as far as the injury plague team goes right now. Um, once you know, once the big boys come back, I think obviously he'll be dropping a pecking order unless he finds some way to get hot in these next two games and and gives Tedesco reason to to start him and keep the hot hand on you know going. But I I like I love what I saw actually you know. Um, I wasn't like you. I wasn't so sure, you know, how he would be able to hold up in Bundesliga games, especially you know physically. Uh, the first game we saw, and he was getting this ball pushed around all left and right. Uh, but in this game, uh, he did much, much better holding up the ball. Uh, he looked like he's been doing that for a while now. So uh, hopefully, he can going forward can build on this and maybe get maybe get some sniffs of gold, maybe get a goal himself. So. Uh, let's see if he can get a start in the next game, or just get into the next game, um, and continue. The, the other thing, I, the other thing I like is I think I think the formation benefited him to some extent because I think the first time we saw him, um, it was in kind of like a front two, and he received the ball kind of like wide a little bit, and would kind of be on an island by himself and not a lot of you know help available. But in in this this sort of front three, he has a you know a player on each of his shoulders kind of running off of him to lay it off to, and I thought that that. Um, benefited his play style a little bit, so he's not, you know, um, 
trying to run after long balls and then do things one on one as much. He had he definitely had some more options to to lay things off to his opponents, which um sorry his teammates I should say, uh, which I think uh, kind of fed into the kind of player he is a little bit better in the first place. Better system for him. Yeah, no, I I agree hundred percent. Um, so hopefully, you know, we get to see Stamboli in the sixth going forward and maybe see a little bit more Haji Wright in this kind of formation and, hey, maybe it'll breed success. Well, we'll see. we got two big games that uh, they can prove it, prove against us. So um, that's all I got for this game. Anything you got from this game, Jack? Anything else I should say? Uh, would have liked to have won it. think that second half we definitely had enough opportunities to do it, so I'm disappointed that we didn't get it, but got a rebound and uh, – like I said at the start of the pod, uh, try to get a couple results here before Christmas. Um, where are we in the table right now? After that, we are we're still like what, like thirteenth, fourteenth, basically. Still okay, 13, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. 14th, yeah, 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 because we were one one point ahead going into that. So, um, yeah, but we're, you know, what is that? Six six points off a of ninth or something like that. So I mean. If we if we can pick up a couple wins here, especially against you know Bayer, we'll, I mean uh, we'll be in the chance to you know potentially leapfrog them, but at least tie it up and you know get get closer, get within striking distance. That that whole um, what is that like like sixth place through tenth is is pretty tight. That's like what like four or five points right yeah. there, and we're only about three or four points off of that range right now. So um, a couple wins before Christmas would be would be huge and put us in a position to be competitive. Um, in that top half of the table, second half of the season. Yeah, I certainly thought we had a, a good second half, better than the first half, certainly. And I, we should have, we could have had some opportunity to get some wins, a win in that one. So, but it, you know, we get a draw, and it's better than a loss at this point. So, Schalke fans, what did you make of that match against Augsburg? Let us know at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, Jack, let's transition to some listener questions because we had some good ones in this one. Alrighty, so we had we asked for uh, Twitter questions in this one, and we got a bunch of them. Jack, uh, let's start with the other Bundesliga podcast, the Austrian Bundesliga podcast. Uh, they send us a question, and the question is: Is Schalke European campaign hindering their domestic efforts? The results in the Bundesliga are not as good as last season. Do you think it's down to fixture congestion? I really don't, um, and I mean maybe. You could make an argument that fixture congestion is playing a role in the injuries, which is certainly not helping our our performances when we don't have our best players available. Maybe you know the additional strain is is causing some of these injury problems that we've seen. But I mean, we had three matches before our first group stage game um, in September, and we lost all three of those. And then we had three more, you know, uh, Bundesliga matches before our next Champions League fixture, and we lost two of those three. So I mean. I don't really think you can use that as an excuse when, you know, you have what, like, you know, six of your first matches of the season. There's only like one other competition you're really playing in in the midst of those. And you, you, you know, you lose five of those first six games. So I don't really think that's a valid excuse personally. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see how it goes if, uh, you know, we keep advancing in the uh, the Pokal. Um, what is that game, by the way? 
Uh, let's see. Survey says... Uh, I like how we were both so prepared for this, you know? Yeah. February 6th, I believe, right? Uh-huh. February yep, 6th. That's that was probably really entertaining for you to all listen to while we try to find that. Um, uh, but I mean, yeah, if we continue to advance in the in the Pokal and and for some reason, if we're able to beat Man City, then maybe that that fixture congestion at the end of the year could cause us some problems. But uh, yeah, overall, I don't really think that that's been a contributor. I think we've just been bad, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what I think has been the the detriment to our season thus far is the lack of goal scoring and the lack of defending. Uh, two goals that we let up. In the Riviera Derby, we were very soft. Uh, you know, the goal we let up in against Augsburg was very soft. You know, so that plus the lack of goals is a, is the main reason I think for all the troubles for Schalke this year. The congestion of the of the fixtures, I think, what Jack you hit it, you nailed it, you know, hit the nail on the head. It's definitely causing more injuries. It certainly is. I mean, we had every forward and and a bunch of other players go, go down with injuries. So I think for sure that's the reason. Uh, for that reason, that's been so high this year. But yeah, I don't think the congestion has anything to do with our performance as far as scoring wise, because we just haven't been scoring. Period. Uh, we haven't found that 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 secret recipe in that final third, and hopefully um, during the winter pause, we have a, a chance to recuperate and find some way to get some offensive flair into this one. Because right now we're too predictable offensively, and teams are just you know sitting back there, you know, closing down those chances that we know they know where it's going to come from, and you know, we don't get any opportunities from there. So um, that's what I, you know, I think on that. And we're pretty much both in agreement there. Uh, this next question comes from our guest last week uh, during the Riviera Derby. It's uh, Critty Smith. Uh, Jack, he asks, when are Shaka going to be good again? Next. <laughs> I told him, hey, uh, we finished ahead of you last year. That's all I know. Uh, so next question, uh, Marie Schulte Bookham, she asked, does Christian Heidel need to sign an expert to work alongside him? Yeah. Friend of the show, Marie, how you doing Marie? Um, there's been a lot of talk about that the last week and a half or so about, um, Schalke bring in some sort of, uh, squad planner or something, um, to work alongside, uh, Christian Heidel. Um, cause there's been, you know, as the season's going on, I guess the, kind of like a vote of no confidence to some extent in his ability to put the squad together that we're not in a, you know, in a great position to, to be successful this year or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I think if, I think if Heidel thinks it's a good idea and he's open to doing that, um, then, then, then maybe, um, particularly as we look to the January transfer window, if he wants to bring in like an outside opinion to, uh, to bounce ideas off of in terms of, you know, the moves we're going to make in January. Um, but, you know, overall, I think I think Heidel's done pretty well since he's come in. I think he's significantly better than Horst Helt was in that position. Um, I mean, he he brought us Tedesco at a phenomenal year last season. I think the majority of the fans are still supporting at this point, despite you know the poor season we've had. And um, you know, the conversations that you and I were having preseason, we were very pleased with the with the business we did in the summer. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely some depth issues that maybe the center back position, the fact that because we use like, you know, three of them more often than not, and, and maybe, you know, at the wing back position as well. I and mean, there's an over congested midfield and a lot of strikers, but um, you know, I think we had liked the business that we did. Now it hasn't worked out, but um, I, I think, I think part of the way, especially when it comes to transfers, you have to judge transfers on whether or not they made sense at the time. Um, and I mean, I know, I know, I know results are important and everything, but um you know, you can you can make you can buy a player, for instance, and um, 
it's a good player and it's a it's a good price for him. And maybe the guy gets injury troubles and never plays again. You can't like and people are gonna say, oh, that's a, that's a failed transfer or something like that. But I mean, it, it was a, I think it was a good transfer at the time. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I approach transfers philosophically. Is more like you know how how did I feel about this going into it. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like I said, I think, I think you and I felt pretty positive about things this summer, so it hasn't really worked out that way, but I'm not, you know, like completely out on, on Christian Heidel as, as somebody to kind of steer this club forward. But once again, if it, if it's not going to cause some sort of massive drama internally, and it's something he's open to, and it's not going to, you know, cause some sort of rift or, um, add more distractions onto this team, which is something we definitely don't need given the season, um, then I would be all in favor of, uh, bringing in some outside help to help, uh, you know, plan the squad a little bit. Yeah, going into the season, we we thought about where where are Schalke's needs, and Heidel hit all of them, and then we added Rudy to all of that. Which at the time we're thinking, oh, he hit a home run with this. He just stole you know a player from Bayern and this and that. So I thought I think Heidel's been doing pretty well so far. It's just that we're not getting the results that we were hoping for. Everyone's having a down season this year um, from top down. So you know. While you look at that and you say, oh, that's Heidel's fault. I don't necessarily it's Heidel's fault. Maybe it's the player's fault. Maybe it's the coach's fault. I don't know. Um, I think something that I've been flirting with that I think should be a better option is bringing in someone to help with Tedesco's game plan as far as adding offensive flair to the team. And I, and I brought this up in an earlier podcast. I think that's the one area that we're really lacking right now is trying to get some goals and maybe get an outside idea uh, to to help to help Tedesco in, in implementing some offensive uh, techniques or, or strategy to infiltrate the defense and, and get some more, more quality chances, more goals into the team. Um, I think that would, might work better. Again, it kind of alludes to what you were saying with Heidel. I think long as Tedesco is open with that, and which I think he would be because he seems very flexible with anything he wants to do. He He's willing to change and adapt to anything just so long as he gets the result. So I think he would be on board with that. And long as he was on board and long as uh, there was no rifts or anything like that, I think that's what we should go with. But that's what... I would lean towards uh, more than anything else, I think, um, other than getting uh, help for Heidel. Because I think he's done well so far, you know, results notwithstanding so far. So, um, Our next question comes from George. Uh, uh, they have the Schalke News Twitter. Um, and so he asked, should Schalke spend much money for a player or just keep buying players that they co- that cost us 7 to 12 million euros, like players from Mainz, players from Hanover? Uh, what do you think, Jack? I mean, if you can get players uh, as good as, you know, Salif Sané for the prices that you can get them for, I mean, I guess there's no reason to spend big money. Um, I mean, it's always better to spend less than than spend more if you can get away with it and get good value for it. But um, I, I do think it's frustrating at times given how wealthy of a club Schalke are. And I, I know that, like, you know, I, I definitely don't know all the details of their finances, but, like, Schalke are consistently ranked, like, every year at, like, year-end lists of, like, you know, the top 20 wealthiest clubs in the world or whatever. Um, and so it's frustrating from that perspective that you don't see them going out and spending a little bit bigger money more often. You know, every, every once in a while, and I'm not asking them to spend, you know, like $80 million or something crazy, like, you know, the kind of money that gets tossed around in the Premier League and in La Liga sometimes from like the big clubs. But, you know, every once in a while, I'll just go after and like, you know, spend 35 mil on somebody to bring in like a really, really strong player. There's a number of, there's a number of times the last couple off seasons where we're linked with somebody who would be, you know, a significant upgrade, and it's like you know maybe they're asking for twenty five or thirty, and like what what you hear Schalke come out with is like oh it's just a little bit too expensive or whatever, and like I mean I get that you don't want to just like blow money on 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 players, but like every once in a while I'll just pull the trigger on somebody. So um, I'm, I'm kind of 
in the middle uh, on this question. I, I understand um, the way we do business generally, and I think that we've done some really, really good business in there and done some smart business. But um, as a fan, you definitely would love to see us make a splash, like a big name every once in a while instead of trying to, you know, uh, be a fee, you know, pull from other clubs like Mines and everything, like go after and actually get like a player from a club that's like on our level, like equal with us um, and make a big signing that way. And something that kind of, you know, kind of goes to what you're saying there is Schalke had a chance to sign Thomas Delaney in the offseason. Uh, they didn't want to spend the money to get him. Dortmund were, and we see what kind of player he's turned into. So um, it doesn't always pan out like that. I mean, I mean, hey, we thought, you know, we got Rudy, we're going to, Hit a home run there, like we said, and it just hadn't panned out. So, uh, but that is it is what it is. Um, make sure you give George a follow. Uh, George and Reese, uh, they are Shaka News at Shaka O Four FC News on Twitter. So, you know, thank you for the question, George. Uh, my, you know, my thinking is that there is a philosophy behind all this. They're not just mindless spending. They're they're trying to get a game plan to go and while be fiscally responsible. Ideally, like you said, I occasionally I like to go with a big spending, whether that's for a striker. You know, they went out and got Huntelaar a couple of years ago, and he proved to be magic, you know, uh, as far as that goes. And so spend every now and then, you know, if you really want to contend for the Bundesliga title, I think you need to make a big splash once in a while, but not all the time. I like the I like the philosophy they, they go with their purchases, but you got to make a big splash sometimes, get the attention of people, show them that your attention is 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 valid. Um, whether so, whether it's a, whether it's you don't need a goalkeeper, obviously, but if you get a a striker, for instance, would be a good place or a winger, a good place to spend a lot of money on. Sometimes, not all the time, it doesn't always pan out. Obviously, yeah, I feel like it might have. Was it Dries Mertens this off season that we were linked to? Uh, That's yeah, the name it might that have I, been. I think it was this summer, and like I first, I mean, I, I love Mertens. I think he's a phenomenal player, and that was one of those players where it was just like, oh, it was like you know, just slightly too expensive for us to like make a go at, and it's like. Well, maybe if we actually sold some of our youth players instead of giving away for free, we'd actually have some money to go off and like pull a big signing off like that every now and then, you know? <laughs> like if we'd got some money for class and engine, some other guys, like I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I, I get I get where the question is coming from. It's definitely frustrating at times. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to our next question. It comes from Shaka Fans Australia. Should we review our medical staff considering the amount of soft tissue injuries we've had this season? Again, I think it's more due to congestion of the fixtures while we get all these injuries uh, more so than anything else and really just bad luck. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think of this, Jack? First of all, I'd just love to say how uh, awesome it is that we got a question posed from down under to two guys in America talking about a German club. It's pretty awesome that we have you know, the international reach and everything. There's Schalke fans all over the place. It's a cool thing to see. But um, I don't know. Maybe I mean I I don't know anything nearly enough about sports science or about what the program is at Schalke to be able to like say whether or not there's an issue with it. Um, obviously that'd be, I'm just flat out not educated on that. I don't know what they're doing um, over there. Um, I know that that was a talking point for like Arsenal in past seasons, right? Under Arsene Wenger, there seems to be like constant injury trouble. Um, so maybe like he needs to change the way things. Uh, he's doing things, um, but uh, I don't know if you need to talk about an entire like you know philosophical shift or like you know clean house just because we've had a couple months where a bunch of guys have gone down. Um, I don't know. That seems maybe a little bit drastic, but uh, <laughs> definitely got to prevent that as much as possible going forward because you know we're still involved in a couple different competitions here. And we need we need to be at full strength as much as possible. Yeah, I I agree, and they've really not proven us wrong in the past, so. Um, again, I don't think it's, uh, has anything to do with more of the medical staff. It is more to be, 
uh, you know, un- unlucky really, and then all these amount of games that you're playing, and if you're playing, you know, a lot of the guys, many many of the games, they're bound to get injuries. Uh, you saw those other teams around the world that play um, a good core, a big core of players for most of their games. They're gonna, it's gonna injuries gonna happen. So, um, yeah, I'm good with keeping the same staff, medical staff as it is now. Unless something drastic happens next year as well, but we'll see. We'll, we'll get to that when it comes. Um, the last question comes from at Hank. Oh, let's say Hank Scorpio, and uh, I'm sure this is a, a, a joke in some in some way or force or some way or some fashion. But he asks, looking at the list of top talents playing top leagues coming from the Kanap and Shmita, do we really think that Shaka did a good job, or is this all a phantom that Shaka chased for years now with little success? Um, really, if you look at the top talent or the players that the Schalke have produced from their from their academy, that's a that's like an all star starting eleven. If you if you ask me, I think the Kanapenschmidt has done a really fantastic job. It just we have been unfortunate in trying to keep our players, and we either lose them for free or or sell them like Leroy Sané. So um, I don't know. How, how do you see this question, Jack? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure i understand exactly what hank is getting at here um so i apologize to you hank i'm misunderstanding your question um but i I guess it's definitely something we talk about right and we pride ourselves on as a club is that like you know we talk up our 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 and and how many great players it produces and everything but at the same time that doesn't really ever seem to result in um us winning anything on the pitch so maybe that's what he's getting at like you know we, we talk about it all the time but it doesn't actually have any discernible impact on our performance on the pitch but um i mean a lot of that is just because of what you said it's that we you know it's for a club of Schalke's size it's very difficult to hold on to these players just the, it's just the reality and the nature of modern football i mean it happens to dortmund too um it's not just us it's it, you know if you're not one of those very very top team top tier teams it's it's difficult to uh to keep your players and keep them from going elsewhere um just as we talked about as ad nauseum last year is that you need to you need to make sure you're capitalizing on those when they do leave you need to make sure you're actually selling them rather than giving them giving them away but i think uh that is a, is a is a source of, of great pride for us and it should be I and mean, it produces great great talents it really does um as you said the starting 11 you know that we could have right now if we had held on to all those guys you know has you know uh you know Rakitic maybe or uh you know uh, Ozil and Leroy Zane and all these people it's it's, it's crazy so um yeah you know it, it, every year there's a couple guys that break through and, and get some minutes and I mean you're seeing that now with all, with all the injuries to strikers we got we got some promising young players coming through Gawler and all these guys so um yeah, I'm I'm proud of the work that the uh, the youth ranks do, and you know guys like Norbert Elgert and all those guys do. They they I mean they're they do an excellent job for us, and uh, that's definitely part of the uh, the culture and the identity of the club, and it's something that I that I enjoy about the club personally. I do as well, and uh, I think um, hopefully going forward we get to see some more guys, some more guys break through. There's several Americans in the academy that we're hoping to break through. Uh, King Zion over there, he's, uh, he's <laughs> lighting it up. Uh, so hopefully we can see him soon. Um, but um, yeah, let's just keep it. I like the, the, the way they're developing players. He's going to find some way to hold on to them a little bit longer. Or and if you're going to sell them, at least sell them for money and not for free. Uh, but you know, we can get to that. It's different different management now. So we uh, hopefully things will change. Um, that wraps up the listener questions. So on that note, I think we'll wrap this one up. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, FCBarcelona.com, Yahoo Sports, and 90 Minutes for Titbits on our podcast today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke US newsletter by simply going to the team website and entering your email address. 
you'll receive the you'll receive the uh, notifications monthly. Uh, we want to give a special shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville as well. <laughs> Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J M Mangan J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Very good. And once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K H A R M A N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Tschüss.